Hey, I'm Simone Grace Soul. I'm a life coach who's built a six-figure business doing none of the things they said I should do. What's my secret? Being myself on social media and actually giving a shit about other people. In this podcast, I teach you how to do the same. Be your authentic self so you can serve more and earn more. Hey friends, today I want to talk to you about free offers and the disappointment that ensues when nobody takes you up on it or just a few people take you up on it and it's a lot less than you expected and it's all kinds of sad and disappointing and discouraging. I've had this happen a lot in my uh, business history where I would put out something that I thought was amazing for free whether it's a product or something that I offer um, my time to, like free coaching and free sessions and had way lower interest than I anticipated. And I made that mean that, number one, I suck. Number two, everybody hates me. Number three, nobody values my work. Number four, if I can't even take people to off, to get what I offer for free, I'm never going to make money. Nobody's ever going to pay me if nobody's even willing to take what I have for free. So all of those are thoughts I used to have and I am happy to report to you now from the other side that none of that is true. Just because nobody or very few people took you up on your free offer does not mean you suck or that your offer sucks or that people don't like you or they don't trust you or that you're never going to make money. It means none of those things. So I want to suggest some helpful ways of thinking about free offers that will hopefully um, allow you to take away the right learning from what you've done and have generate more interest um, for your next offering. So number one. The reason that um, we get confused about people, not enough people taking us up on our free offers is because we are believing that people's primary decision-making motivation is price, or that their primary filter is price. So people who have this thought often tend to, when they feel anxious, when they're not selling enough, they often tend to discount their prices thinking that that will get more people to buy or they offer for free because, yeah, they have this idea that more if you have to pay more money, <laughs> people are less likely to buy and if you don't have to pay as much or if it's free, people are more likely to buy. And the important point here is that definitely price is a concern. Price is a filter for most people. But it is not number one. It is probably like number five or six. That's not precise, but just think of it as being low on the number of priorities when it comes to filters for how people make decisions to buy. Um, Because even when people think that the price is the most important thing, there are things, multiple things that come before the price. And the number one thing that comes before the price is the perceived value to that specific person at that specific time. So maybe the something that helps people cook 
giant meals for many, many people in a short amount of time with low effort is not a super duper priority. It's not all that interesting to a lot of people most of the time. But during the holidays, it becomes a very high priority issue. So people value information that helps them with that, for example, right? And how to, you know, get your kids ready for school um, without drama, without screaming, without fighting or yelling (laughs) might be super high value for moms with kids or dads with kids, but not for somebody like me who doesn't have kids. So it's what I'm trying to say is that all depends on where somebody is who is perceiving your offer, whether your offer is scratching their itch, so to speak. So if you are conveying the value of your thing in a way where it's not crystal clear to the buyer whether it's going to scratch their itch, meaning it's whether it's going to help them with the precise thing that they are considering very high priority at that moment, then they're not going to buy. Not because they think your thing is not good or not because they think you are not good or any of those things. It's just, it doesn't happen to be my to be my itch at this moment. I don't need help scratching it, right? So <laughs> that reminds me of a funny story. I live in Seoul, South Korea, where there is a lot of interest in skincare. And um, I was walking down the, you know, this sort of very trendy um, neighborhood street um, shopping or something or other. And I got accosted by somebody representing a skincare company who started to talk to me on the street and tell me about everything that my face like needs help with. <laughs> this might be considered very unwelcome and intrusive and rude in some context, but in that particular neighborhood, it kind of made sense just because everyone's super appearance obsessed. <laughs> and this lady started to tell me, oh, you have very dry skin. Like you have a beautiful face, but you know, you have sunspots and you know, this kind of treatment can help you. And she's just basically like started, started to educate me about all the treatments that could improve the look of my skin. And the whole time she was talking, I was just thinking, this is just so, I could not care less. It's not that I thought the lady was, you know, offering a bad service or that I didn't, or that I didn't trust her for any particular reason. It's just on my list of priorities in life at that moment. And even now reducing the appearance of sunspots on my face is like number 572. (laughs) Very, very low priority. I got 99 problems (laughs) and sunspots on my face ain't them for me at this time in my life. (laughs) So she talked my face off or she tried. And I just, I told her, honestly, look, I appreciate what you're doing. And I just have zero interest in in improving this look appearance of my skin. And she was very taken aback. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) What do you mean? You're not, you don't care about getting better skin. And I was like, I just don't care that much. Um, I think I look good enough. (laughs) If it helps you to understand, I'm not from here. I am from the US and skincare is just not as big of a deal and I'm fine with how I look. And she was like, okay. And then she just kind of let me go. I think this was really funny um, because she was so visibly taken aback by my response. 
I didn't tell her, oh, I can't afford it. I didn't tell her, I don't think this is the right company for me. I didn't tell her, tell her any of these things. I just told her, I don't really care about skincare. Like this itch that you want to help me scratch, it doesn't really itch. <laughs> so the moral of the story is that if what you're offering doesn't, it, you know, the, the benefit that you offer isn't on the other person's very high priority list. It is not going to land. They're not going to care. They're not going to say yes. Now, there are times when um, you offer something that you know is going to be, you know, is high priority for the other person. You know for a fact that your offer could help so many people with something that could vastly improve their lives. And you thought you communicated that and they still didn't buy, or rather they did, still didn't take you up on your free offer, it's because you didn't do a clear enough job describing exactly how the solution that you propose will help them in their day-to-day lives in a very specific and concrete way. So for example, I work with a lot of life coaches. I am a life coach. I have a lot of life coach colleagues. And they might say something like, I will help you feel calm, feel more calm and in control of your emotions um, in your life. Now, you might think, well, who wouldn't want that? We all struggle with anxiety and we all struggle with, you know, negative emotions and they all feel terrible. And why wouldn't anybody's highest priority be to feel more calm, right? But that's not... And feeling calm might not be what feels like the itchiest itch for the people reading. So for example, what if you had said instead, I will help you stop yelling at your child, no matter what they yell, no matter what the child does, I will help you to always speak in a calm voice to your child. And after you go through my signature three-step process, <laughs> you will never yell at your child again. Now that might be more interesting because this person might specifically be feeling bad about how much she yells at her child and you know the the prospect of not being able to not do that ever might be very appealing like that might be an itch that they want scratched but you see how it's almost like the same thing like learning how to not yell at your kid is emotional, you know, learning emotional mastery, but putting it in terms of these concrete, specific examples of how this could help them in their lives could be often much more compelling. Now, all these ideas are just good principles to think about sales in general, but we kind of forget about them when we offer something for free or when we offer something that's heavily discounted because we think that we don't have to do as as much of a good job selling or writing copy or making a com- compelling case because it's free, because it should be enough of a selling point that it's free. My stance is always you should sell your free things with just as much conscientious strategic effort that you would sell any of your paid products or services. You don't just plop it in front of people and expect them to be interested Um, just because it's free. I often like to say that the internet ruined free. Um, I don't know if other people also said that, but 
I say that all the time, so it's something that I say. <laughs> Internet ruined free because it has become so easy to offer something for free, to slap together a PDF, to record something on video and call it a webinar and say, it's free. But the availability of the technology that makes it easy to do that makes it easy for anybody with maybe less than honorable conscientious intentions to just slap together something that's low quality or just basically, you know, create something that's fluff and is not all that useful and lure people in saying it's free and it's going to, you know, be the greatest thing in the world and you should download it right now. But then you download it and it's like, this is not useful. We've all had that experience. Or if a service is free, we might assume that there are strings attached that we don't want to deal with, or we might be justifiably worried that there's going to be an awkward upsell in at the end. We've all been there. If you've been in, if you've interacted with online businesses at all, we've all experienced you know, freebies that are fluffy or just any kind of free situation, which is just a long sales pitch for something else. So people are understandably wary about free and they're not just going to, that's another reason they're not just going to jump on something because it's free. It's almost like you have to be even more strategic, even more intentional about um, conveying why this is going to be really useful for them and why it's going to add to their lives, why it's going to scratch the precise itch that's bothering them and not just um, you know, fail to register that a lot of people are suspicious about free. And there's that added, um, honestly, pressure on you to, to convince them, hey, this is going to be really worth it. Like This is going to be good and this is how. So my advice for selling free things, and, um, and I use the word selling even if you don't charge money because anytime you inspire somebody to, to take action on something, I call that selling. The key to getting people to take you up on your free offer is to one, remember that free doesn't necessarily mean easier to sell. And in fact, you might have to overcome even more hurdles in people's uh, assumptions um, that your offer might be low value or there might be an upsell attached to people's anxieties about that. So you have to do be very intentional in conveying to people clearly, specifically, and concretely how your offer is going to help them with something that is a high priority thing for them. How your thing is going to help to scratch the, their one of their itchiest itches. <laughs> so I hope that helps. And if you take away one thing from this episode, may it be that never, ever, ever take um, low engagement or low sales or low, you know, level of people taking you up on your offer as a sign that your, your stuff is not valuable or that people don't think you're great. Um, it, that could not be further from the truth. And as you can see, there are so many things you can tweak to change your response. Just because nobody's willing to uh, grab your thing for free, it does not mean that people are not willing to pay you. Remember, it's not about the price. Everything is based on perceived value. And whether, if you know how to talk about the value that you offer, the usefulness you offer in a clear, concrete, 
everyday situation sort of way, then you will be able to sell anything, no matter what, no matter what the price point, including if it's free. So lots of things to play with. There's always something you can tactically improve on in order to understand your customers better and to position your products better. Do not despair and think nobody wants my thing. It's not true. You're just being invited to think about how you talk about your thing in a different way. I hope that helped and I'll talk to you next time.